Section twenty five, volume two of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kalinda. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Two, Section twenty five. When it was the sixty-ninth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Sharkan heard these words, his heart fluttered, and his color waxed yellow, and he was seized with trembling, and he hung his head earthwards, for he knew that she was his sister by the same father. Then he lost his senses, and when he revived, he abode in amazement, but did not discover his identity to her, and asked, O my lady, say, Art thou in sooth the daughter of King Omar bin al-Nu'uman? Yes, answered she. And he continued, Tell me the cause of thy leaving thy sire, and of thy being sold for a slave. So she related to him all that had befallen her from beginning to end, how she had left her brother sick in the sanctified city, Jerusalem, and how the Badawi had kidnapped her and had sold her to the traitor. When Sharkan heard this, he was certified of her being his sister on the sword-side, and said to himself, How can I have my sister to wife? By Allah, needs must I marry her to one of my chamberlains, and if the thing get wind, I will declare that I divorced her before consummation, and married her to my chief chamberlain. Then he raised his head, and sighing, said, O Nujat al-Zaman, thou art my very sister, and I cry, I take refuge with Allah from this sin whereinto we have fallen, for I am Sharkan, son of Omar bin al-Nu'uman. She looked at him, and knew he spoke the truth, and becoming as one demented, she wept and buffeted her face, exclaiming, There is no majesty, and there is no might, save in Allah. Verily have we fallen into mortal sin. What shall I do, and what shall I say to my father and my mother, when they ask me, Whence hadst thou thy daughter? Quoth Sharkan, It were meetest that I marry thee to my chamberlain, and let thee bring up my daughter in his house, that none may know thou be my sister. This hath befallen us from Almighty Allah for a purpose of his own, and nothing shall cover us but thy marriage with this chamberlain ere any know. Then he fell to comforting her, and kissing her head, and she asked him, What wilt thou call the girl? Call her Kuzia Fakan, answered he. Then he gave the mother in marriage to the chief chamberlain, and transferred her to his house with the child, which they reared on the laps of slave-girls, and fed with milk, and dosed with powders. Now all this occurred whilst the brother, Zau al-Makan, still tarried with the firemen at Damascus. One day there came to King Sharkan a courier from his father, with a letter which he took and read, and found therein, After the Bismillah no, O beloved king, that I am afflicted with sore affliction from the loss of my children. Sleep ever faileth me, and wakefulness ever assaileth me. I send thee this letter, that as soon as thou receivest it, thou make ready the monies and the tribute, and send them to us, together with the damsel whom thou hast bought and taken to wife. For I long to see her and hear her discourse, more especially because there hath come to us from Raumland an old woman of saintly bearing, and with her be five damsels, high-bosomed virgins, endowed with knowledge and good breeding, and all arts and sciences befitting mortals to know. 
and indeed tongue faileth me to describe this old woman and these who with her wend for of a truth they are compendiums of perfections in learning and accomplishments as soon as i saw them i loved them and i wished to have them in my palace and in the compass of my hand for none of the kings owneth the like of them so i asked the old woman their price and she answered i will not sell them but for the tribute of damascus and i by allah did not hold this price exorbitant indeed it is but little for each one of them is worth the whole valuation so i agreed to that and took them into my palace and they remain in my possession wherefore do thou forward the tribute to us that the woman may return to her own country and send to us the damsel to the end that she may dispute with them before the doctors and if she prevail over them i will return her to thee accompanied by the tribute of baghdad and shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the seventieth night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that king omar son of al-nu'uman said in his letter and send to us the damsel to the end that she may dispute with them before the doctors and if she prevail over them i will return her to thee accompanied with the tribute of baghdad as soon as sharkan knew the contents he went to his brother-in-law and said to him bring the damsel to whom i married thee and when she came he showed her the letter and said o my sister what answer wouldst thou advise me make to this letter replied she seek advice from thyself and presently added for she yearned after her people and her native land send me together with my husband the chamberlain to baghdad that i may tell my father my table and let him know what so befell me with the badawi who sold me to the merchant and that i also inform him how thou boughtest me of the trader and gavest me in marriage to the chamberlain after setting me free be it so replied sharkan then sharkan took his daughter kuzia fakan and committed her to the charge of the wet nurses and the eunuchs and he made ready the tribute in haste bidding the chamberlain travel with the princess and the treasure to baghdad he also furnished him two travelling litters one for himself and the other for his wife and the chamberlain replied to hear is to obey moreover sharkan collected camels and mules and wrote a letter to his father and committed it to the chamberlain then he bade farewell to his sister after he had taken the jewel from her and hung it round his daughter's neck by a chain of pure gold and she and her husband set out for baghdad the same night now it so happened that zau al-makan and his friend the fireman had come forth from the hut in which they were to see the spectacle and they beheld camels and bukhti dromedaries and bat mules and torches and lanterns alight and zau al-makan inquired about the loads and their owner and was told that it was the tribute of damascus going to king omar bin al-nu'uman lord of the city of baghdad he then asked who be the leader of the caravan and they answered the head chamberlain who hath married the damsel so famous for learning in science thereupon zau al-makan wept with bitter weeping and was minded of his mother and his father and his sister and his native land and he said to the stoker i will join this caravan and little by little will journey homewards Quoth the fireman, I would not suffer thee to travel single-handedly from the holy city to Damascus. Then how shall I be sure of thy safety when thou farest for Baghdad? But I will go with thee, and care for thee, till thou effectest thine object. With joy and good will, answered Zau al-Makan. Then the fireman get him ready for the journey, and hired an ass, and threw saddlebags over it, and put therein something of Provence 
and when all was prepared he awaited the passage of the caravan. And presently the chamberlain came by on a dromedary and his footmen about him. Then Zau al-Makan mounted the ass and said to his companion, Do thou mount with me? But he replied, Not so, I will be thy servant. Quoth Zau al-Makan, There is no help for it, but thou ride a while. Tis well, quoth the stoker, I will ride when I grow tired. Then said Zau al-Makan, O my brother, soon shalt thou see how I will deal with thee when I come to my own folk. So they fared on till the sun rose, and when it was the hour of the noonday sleep, the chamberlain called a halt, and they alighted and reposed and watered their camels. Then he gave the signal for departure, and after five days they came to the city of Hama, where they sat down and made a three days halt. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the seventy-first night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that they halted in the city of Hama three days. They then fared forwards, and ceased not travelling till they reached another city. Here also they halted three days, and thence they travelled till they entered the province Diyarbakar. Here blew on them the breezes of Baghdad, and Zau al-Makan bethought him of his father and mother and native land, and how he was returning to his sire without his sister. So he wept and sighed and complained, and his regrets grew on him, and he began improvising these couplets. Sweetheart, how long must I await by so long suffering teed? Nor cometh messenger to tell me where thou dost abide. Ah, me, in very sooth our meeting time was shorter now. Would heaven shorter prove to me the present parting tide? Now trend my hand and open my robe, and thou within shall sight how wasted are the limbs of me, and yet the waste I hide. When say they, comfort take for loss of love, I but reply, By Allah, till the day of doom no comfort shall betide. Thereupon said to him the fireman, Leave this weeping and wailing, for we are near the chamberlain's tent. Quoth Zau al-Makan, Needs must I recite somewhat of verse, Haply it may quench the fire of my heart. Allah upon thee, cried the other, Cease this lamentation till thou come to thine own country. Then do what thou wilt, and I will be with thee wherever thou art. Replied Zau al-Makan, By Allah, I cannot forbear from this. Then he turned his face towards Baghdad, and the moon was shining brightly and shedding her light on the place, and Nujat al-Zaman could not sleep that night, but was restless and called to mind her brother and wept. And while she was in tears, she heard Zau al-Makan weeping and improvising the following distichs. Al-Yaman's leaven gleam I see, and sore despair despaireth me, for friend who erst abode with me, crowning my cup with gladdest grief. It minds me of one who jilted me to mourn my bitter liberty. Say sooth, thou fair sheet lightning shall, we meet once more in joy and glee. O blamer, spare me to thy blame, my lord hath sent this duel to dree, of friend who left me fain to flee, of time that breeds calamity. All bliss hath fled the heart of me since fortune proved mine enemy. He brimmed a bowl of merest pine, and made me drain the dregs, did he. I see my sweetheart, dead and gone, ere I again shall gaze on thee. Time, prithee bring our childhood back, restore our happy infancy, when joy and safety joyed we, from shafts that now they shoot at me. Who aids the hapless stranger white that nights in fright and misery, that wastes his days in lonely grief, for time's delight no more must be, doomed us despite our will to bear, 
the hands of base bores cark and care. When he ended his verse, he cried out and fell down in a fainting fit. This is how it fared with him. But as regards Nujat al-Zaman, when she heard that voice in the night, her heart was at rest, and she rose, and in her joy she called the chief eunuch, who said to her, What is thy will? Quoth she, Arise, and bring me him who recited verses but now. Replied he, Of a truth I did not hear him. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 25 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 2 Recording by Kalinda in Lüneburg, Germany, on February 22, 2009